Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast. This is a place I talk about a lot of different topics from family and kids, guy stuff, dad stuff. Hopefully you kind of know the drill by now. Just interesting and relatable topics is what I'm shooting for. So anyways, welcome to the show and thank you for tuning in today. All right, so my kids had an E-Day this week and I'll be honest, I struggled a little bit. This wasn't just an E-Day for bad weather and snow, which by the way, last weekend we got about four inches, enough for the kids to go outside and have a blast and for me to bust my ass making a snow igloo for some ungodly reason. I don't know why. I built bricks with a cooler and I built this whole igloo for my kids. It worked out pretty well. I actually think I had more fun than they did. Took me like three and a half hours to do this damn thing, and my back and my knees are paying the price this week, that is for sure. But it was pretty rad. The kids loved it. They crawled inside it. They had fun. The neighborhood kids came over and snowball fights and running around and doing all that kind of stuff. I'll post some pictures on my Instagram at some point, but yeah, it was good. It caved in at the end of the day, but that's what it's all about. They had fun with it, and... That's really what matters. So anyways, back to this E-Day. The reason for the E-Day was a water main break at the school or by the school. So text and emails right away that morning, school's canceled. Great. It's not like I had shit that I wanted to do today, but I guess I get to bust out the computer, get my daughter set up on her school portal and all that stuff. But have you ever had the same issue, or I don't want to call it complaint, I mean, I am helping my kid, but there's supposed to be this understanding that kids are to do this E-Day portal learning on their own, right? A way to be a little bit independent. At least that's how it's conveyed to me. No real assistance from the parents other than getting them online in a safe manner. But it never really ends up being that way. There's always little issues flipping between windows and my daughter asking questions on where to go or how to navigate everything. So anyways, I just find myself sitting there for two hours doing this E-Day with her. Which, yes, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. I know some dads don't get to do that stuff, and they would love to be able to do it. So I have that opportunity to do that every day. Watching her and seeing her brain work and seeing her read and use her imagination and write stories... It's a great bonding moment for me. At least I tell myself that anyways. But after the E-Day was over, which now that I think about it, that was actually the easiest part of my day. Now I just had to manage two very irritable, grumpy, non-responsive, argumentative, not able to coexist little girls. My eight-year-old and my five-year-old. And I don't know why... Or hell, how they can even fight so much. I don't understand it. It's impossible for me to comprehend. Like I said, they're five and eight. They're pretty close in age. Close enough to play together, have fun together. But they can sure argue and fight. Especially on days like this where they're just constantly around each other. Mom's working. It's not the weekend where we kind of mentally prepare to go out and do things. We're kind of busy doing all our own things, and they just get at each other, no matter what I say. It's like falling on deaf ears. And I'm not kidding. 
it will be them waking up, coming downstairs, sitting at the breakfast bar, and they immediately will find something to go at each other over, argue over. Does anyone else deal with that? I imagine that was a really dumb question now that I think about it, because I bet everybody deals with that. Also, another complaint. Sorry, I am on a complaint train here, but I feel like I need to ask them to do things 11 times over and over and over again before they move their tails and go do it. Whether it's getting dressed, whether it's brushing their teeth, whether it's picking up their playroom. I just, I don't understand. I hardly yell at them. I don't raise my voice that much. I mean, sure, we all know that parent tone, that look that we give, the attitude that we project when we're getting annoyed. But sometimes that's where I have to take it to get any sort of reaction from them, to get them to listen. Not all the time, but sometimes. I don't know. Maybe I'm not enough of a hard ass. Maybe I don't necessarily want to be a hard ass, though. I don't think I do. That's not, that's not a good trait to have. Maybe I'm too soft. I don't know. Maybe they just don't respect my authority. Maybe they don't respect me as a parent. Can a five and eight-year-old do that? Well, honestly, I think they do respect me. Most of the time, anyways. They seem like they're pretty damn good, but I'll talk more on that here in just a minute. I also do think I need some sort of plan or system, something I can implement, not to necessarily prevent, because I know it's totally impossible to eradicate them fighting and arguing. I just like to limit it to a degree, get them to listen a little bit better. I need something there. Maybe I can figure that out. I don't know. Or the emotional outburst, which I haven't told you about that event, but that may have to wait for another day because I know I've talked about it in the past on other shows, but I'll, I'll get into that more another time. And I know I've talked about all this stuff repeatedly, probably more than you would like to hear, but it's just really fresh in my mind right now. So that's why I'm bringing it up again. I've just dealt with it this week. And I'm struggling, like I said, so maybe we can find, I can find some new ways to gain some form of control or understanding, at least, with all this. Hell, maybe I don't even respect my kids enough and I don't project that enough onto them. Maybe that's, maybe that's something. I've kind of thought about that, too, prior to even researching for today's show. So, all right. Let's, uh, let's read, let's learn, let's uh, figure some stuff out. I mean, that's why I do this. I do this to educate myself, to be a better dad, to be a better parent. And then hopefully you guys and gals listen to it and listen to it for the same reasons. So this article I'm pulling from is called What is Respect? Definition for Kids and Six Highly Effective Ways to Teach It by Pamela Lee. I'll link it in the description along with any other articles that I referenced today so you can check them out. So let's start off with just a simple question. What is respect? Well, it's admiring or looking up to someone because that person has done something extraordinary or possesses impressive ability. Maybe like a parent? Could a parent fall into that category of respect? Or are they referring to more like NBA players and actors and actresses. I don't know. But anyways, more so in our case with the kids, 
Respect is the act of giving attention or showing care to someone, acting in a way that shows care for how your actions may impact others. Being kind, using polite words even when you're upset, using manners, sharing or waiting turns, accepting differences, and if there's a disagreement, you talk about it in a nice and polite way. Also using a quiet voice or being calm when you're in public, or even sharing resources and only taking what you need. That last one kind of makes me think of the unattended candy bowl on Halloween. Do you just take two pieces when there's no one there? Or do you dump all that shit into your bag and run off, right? A few other examples here that we can kind of compare our kids to is following parents' rules and the kids care or respect how they feel about them. Not hitting or hurting others. Siblings, per se, my, my kids tend to occasionally strike one another. I don't know why we don't do that in this house, but sometimes they put their hands on each other. Using other people's things, toys or whatever, with care, with respect, not to break or damage anything. Not interfering with other people's right to look or think or act differently than you because you care or respect their feelings and well-being. I think that's enough examples. I think we all get the point. So do any of these things resonate one way or the other with you or your kids? Do your kids do any of these things? Maybe not do them? Where do you kind of land in that field? It's a big concept, though, for kids to grasp. And I think adults toss around the respect card a lot with our kids, with friends, with family, and we sometimes assume that our kids, even the young ones, automatically know what respect is, know what it means. But we aren't born with the innate ability to be respectful. It's something that we need to teach and model for them. So how do we do that? Well, back to this article. Let's see what these six ways, what can they teach us? First one is model how to be respectful by respecting your kids first. Just like I said, kids don't know how to be respectful. We have to teach them, and the best way to teach them is what? Show them, right? Lead by example. That old saying that we've all heard time and time again, as well as used on our own kids more than likely, treat others the way you want to be treated. I know we've all said it. I know we've all heard it. Granted, it's easier said than done. But rather than just barking orders at my kids, telling them to respect others, respect me, respect each other in some authoritative manner, we have to build a respectful relationship that goes both ways. A good example to give here is yelling at a waiter at a restaurant for bringing out the wrong food or screwing up an order. If you scream at them and say, this order's wrong, it took you way too long, and you're yelling at them and telling them to fix it right away and get back to the kitchen and make this right, A, that's not a great role model situation for your kids. It doesn't sound really pretty, does it? It's pretty awful. What would you think if you were sitting in a restaurant and you overheard that? You'd be like, damn, chill on the waiter, Karen or Kevin. Relax. Sorry if your name's Karen or Kevin. Just, you know. But yeah, we wouldn't like to see that. We would be judging that situation in our minds if that happened near us, right? But B, do you remember a time where you yelled at your kids in some similar fashion? Hey, I told you not to do that. You're not listening. Go to your room right now. You're in timeout, whatever. Does that sound familiar at all? It does to me. 
100%. It sounds familiar to me. I mean, that's, you know, your kids don't listen. We automatically go to that kind of punishment, go think about what you've done type of thing, boss them around, whatever. And it tends to happen, though, when we're worn thin, we pop off after repeated attempts or high levels of stress. So, yes, we need to model that behavior and that respect that we want to receive from our kids. We can't we can't talk to our kids in that fashion, barking those orders and saying those things. The author says respect is much deeper than just using manners and being compliant. We should respect their preferences and opinion or what they enjoy, what they like, just like any other person, and try not to have complete control over every aspect of their lives. These are individuals. They're people. They're humans, just like us. They're not little robots that do exactly everything we want or are going to think and like and enjoy the same things that we think and like and enjoy. So she says to start with respecting their choices. Maybe we have an idea of what they should wear to school or what would look nice. Let them choose. Let them figure out what they want to wear or what they want to do for fun, or even what they want to eat for breakfast. I try to do this to a degree, let my kids choose what they want to eat in the morning, and they usually do a pretty good job with making healthy choices. We've had those conversations as to what's healthy and what's not, so that helps. They aren't picking chocolate Pop-Tarts and donuts every day, and I mean, as long as they're not going to hurt themselves or kill themselves, what's the harm if they make their own breakfast or if they go to school with non-matching pants and shirts, right? That's not really a big deal for us to be the dictator and take that away from them. All right, next. Identify the cause of the disrespect and focus on teaching problem-solving alternatives. The example she uses here is a back-talking and angry child. So when it's happening, we should pay attention to the circumstances instead of just going off on our kids' reactions. Ask them why they do or act the way that they are acting. Disrespectful kids are usually that way because they are angry, according to her. So then it turns into this tit-for-tat thing with the parents. Kids are angry at the parents, do something. Parents get angry at the kids. It just goes back and forth and back and forth, right? You hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you. So we want to figure out the root cause. In this case, angry kid, why did you say this? Maybe the kid was back-talking. Why did you say this? It's because you're angry, angry because dot, 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 and then you talk to them and try to figure out the root cause. Jamie says by naming and narrating the child's emotions, it helps them understand where the anger came from, teaches them vocabulary to describe their emotions, gives tools to solve problems, and figure out better ways to deal with or handle it. Showing your kids that you can still stay calm and keep a clear head in conflict situations is key here. Number three, use kind and firm discipline to teach and not punish. Jamie says discipline means to teach or train. It does not mean to punish. And studies have actually shown that positive discipline is a lot more effective and longer lasting than punitive strategies. And I think that's where a lot of us, including myself, kind of don't do the best we can. We get stressed. We lead with anger. We're tired of consistently giving the same commands. And we go to 100 immediately. Or on the outside, it looks like we went to 100 right away. Because in our heads, every time we ask our kids to do something, 
our level goes up little by little. Our patience wears thin each time over and over and over. Yet on the outside, even to our spouses, it may not look that we are losing that battle per se until we pop off and we explode with all this anger. Then we get into that menacing and stern tone. And by doing that, we're actually showing our kids how to be cruel and harsh to those who make mistakes. And that's not what I want to project on them. But we all make mistakes. That's a part of life. We don't necessarily learn by doing everything perfectly, do we? Just like in life, in jobs, parenting, clearly, we learn by making mistakes and realizing those mistakes and adjusting how we deal with things. She also says that positive discipline is not the same as being soft or permissive. We can be firm and kind at the same time when we discipline. And setting firm boundaries and sticking to them, actually sticking to them, are the keys for successful discipline. Last one I'll mention here before we wrap this up, and that's apologize when you mess up. This one kind of means a lot to me. I really embrace this one, and I openly tell my kids when I screw up or act a little overboard in discipline or when I'm wrong. I will apologize. I'll sit them down and be like, hey, I realize that I shouldn't have reacted that way or I overreacted and I'm sorry. I just did it last night when my daughter was looking for an ice pack in the freezer. I accused her. I couldn't find it and I accused her of leaving it outside or in the garage or something when it was in the freezer all along. So I apologized for accusing her of doing that. And I said, hey, I, I shouldn't have done that. Instead of just glossing over it, you know, that shows her that I made a mistake. I also try not to lean on the apology as an excuse or a safety net when I'm being an asshole to my kids or to anybody. And you kind of, I think you kind of know what I mean. Continually saying I'm sorry when you yell at your kids for this or for that. I mean, just because you apologize doesn't mean that makes it all better or that you can continue to uh, not respect them and blow up at them all the time. Because at a certain point, that apology turns into just empty words that mean absolutely nothing. Jamie says we need to calm down after a moment and explain what happened and why we got upset. Apologizing to your child doesn't undermine your authority as a parent, she says. It actually reinforces your authority and your credibility. You're demonstrating, remember leading by example, you're demonstrating integrity and building trust with your child. We also need to stay calm and try not to overreact as well. If we do that, then we hop right on that apologizing train when we overreact and then we feel bad about it and then we apologize and it just turns into this vicious cycle that's happening over and over again. This is actually another one that they list here. I forgot to mention it earlier. Jamie actually tells a story about her daughter not listening even after repeated attempts that turned into yelling. And this is something that I can definitely relate with. I imagine you can relate with it as well. I was asking Kennedy, my youngest, to take her shoes off when we came in the house. I think I had to ask her four or five times until I had to get very stern with her just to get that simple task done. She says her daughter didn't listen, kind of the same situation, because she was completely immersed in what she was doing and not in the moment, simply just wasn't paying attention to anything else. So a lot of times I think as well that when we assume our kids are hearing us, they're hearing our commands to take their shoes off or whatever and not doing it, 
that we just assume that they are ignoring and being disrespectful and just not listening. But in reality, according to Jamie, they're just completely focused on something else and maybe what we said doesn't even really process to them. Like they legitimately didn't hear it. Just like trying to talk to a friend or a spouse when they're completely immersed in their cell phone. You understand what I mean, right? I mean, we've all been there. We've all been trying to talk to a coworker or a spouse asking questions and they're just buried in their phone. They literally hear nothing of what you asked, only bits and pieces maybe, and then we have to repeat ourselves multiple times to get across what we're actually trying to say. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to make excuses. I mean, I know our kids can blatantly ignore what we ask of them some days, but we do really have to try to lead with some empathy first and figure out if it's real disrespect that we're dealing with and not just kids that missed the cue or just didn't hear us. Another thing this kind of reminds me of is self-sufficiency a little bit. Not sure it falls into this category or not, but I mean, I want my kids to listen to me when I tell them to do things, but at what age or when does them being self-sufficient kind of come into play? I don't like having to always micromanage to get them to do what needs to be done. So does that change? at some point. Take shower time, for example. I tell them, okay, showers are done. Head to your room, put your PJs on, bring your towel back to the bathroom to hang it up, brush your hair, and so on. And it leads to me getting annoyed or angry because my kids aren't listening to me. Because I have to repeatedly tell them to do this same sequence of events every single night. It's like they have that attention span of that dog in that animated movie Up. Squirrel! And they're just off to the next thing. They see something and they're distracted immediately and they go off on some tangent of doing whatever they're doing. I don't know where I was going with that. I don't know if that's a lack of respect or if that's just a lack of them not hearing me. Or maybe I need to do a little test and not tell them anything. Well, no, I've done that before. And then two hours later, I find their towel lumped on their floor and their hair's not brushed. Maybe that is some disrespect there. What, at what time or when does that kick in where some of that self-sufficiency takes over? Eight and five. I don't know. Maybe someone, someone let me know. All right, I know I didn't get into any type of system or thing that I can implement to keep my kids from tearing each other apart, from fighting, and not coexisting in a peaceful manner, so I'll have to save that for another time. But anyways, I think the takeaway for me is just to lead by example Show my kids the respect that I would like to get from them and just really take that one second beat to think before I react to a situation where they aren't listening or it seems like they're being disrespectful. Also, when I ask them to do things or get things done, maybe I should try a different approach and really engage with them and focus on them so we see each other instead of just barking and yelling commands. Maybe I'll try that. I don't really believe my kids have a total lack of respect for me. I think they do pretty well, but I think we all in this house could do a little better. So, All right, that is all I have for today's episode of Stay at Home Dad's podcast. Like I said, I'll link all the articles I talked about in the description in case you want to read them. But what do you think? Do some kids pick up respect easier and better than others? I think I need to ask my daughter what respect means and just see what she says. I wonder if she could answer it. I'll report back with that later. 
but I hope I gave you a few good tips today. Granted, they're not my own tips, they're Jamie's, the author of this article. Nonetheless, hopefully they help, hopefully they give you a little insight, maybe help you reflect a little bit on your own situations. If you have any questions or comments for me, please feel free to hop over to my social media or on to podbean.com and let me know what you think. Comments, questions, advice, any of that stuff. But anyways, have a great Thanksgiving holiday and maybe do a favor for me when you're sitting around the Thanksgiving table. Just uh, tell everyone that they can grab this amazing podcast on all the big streaming platforms. Tell them to check it out, give it a listen, see what they think. And uh, that's it. Everyone have a, a happy Thanksgiving, and I will talk to you all next week.